Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Off The Bench NRL with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews. All the big news and views from a big week in footy. Puts a little chip and chase over the fullback. Schuster! They got the kick away. And Tommy Turbo beat him to the ball. Schuster with the kick. Turbo picks up his second. And Manly claw the lead back. Yes, he and league caller Joel Sugarcane there when one of many... Tommy Trebojevic's tries we've seen in his career, but he's back better than ever. And Manly are leading the comp after three rounds with that emphatic win over the Parramatta Eels on Thursday night. Welcome to the show off the bench. Scotty Sattley here and Jason Matthews. But unfortunately, Jason Matthews is not here. He's been crook all week. We send our wishes out to Big Woogie to, to make sure he's okay. Hopefully be back next week. Plenty happening over the week in rugby league and especially this weekend's rounds as well. But uh, we opened up on Thursday night with that that great win by Manly in front of a full crowd at Brookie. Always great to see those suburban grounds full and Manly, as I said earlier, on leading the comp after three rounds. I've got some questions about poor Parramatta Eels as I welcome Cohen, Daddy Vass, into the uh, show. How are you? That's good, mate. Oh, yeah. How are you? Really good. I, I mean, we'll have a chat about it. Matty Johns was quite strong about this on the Matty Johns show Thursday night. Uh, surrounding Parramatta's draw. And we have spoken about it at nauseam over the last two weeks, but it's just starting to become glaringly obvious that they are going to be, be behind the eight ball by the time origin season comes around, the origin period comes around, and how much work they've had to do playing against teams that are coming off the bye. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. On the show, we caught up with AJ Brimson, Gold Coast Titans superstar, fullback earlier on in the week uh, on Sports Day. And he's a, he's a great young guy, AJ Brimson. Aside from being a, a tremendous talent, he is also a tremendous human being off the field. He's got a great attitude towards life. The Gold Coast Titans staff, when you mention AJ, the word they always use is, in a very good term, rat bag. That's exactly <laughs> what he is, a rat bag. Chris Nilsson from Racing Queensland is going to catch up as well. The duel. There's two duel races at Doombin. On Saturday, and um, there's a lot of money, a lot of prize money up for grabs as week. But let's get to the news of the week. And New South Wales Police, um, it has been reported a 14-year-old who allegedly racially abused Latrell Mitchell has been issued with a warning under the Young Offenders Act by New South Wales Police. And many, many thought that uh, a warning, and many have commented maybe, maybe a warning is not sending a stern enough message. Now, the NRL Integrity Unit is looking further into this. So... The New South Wales police believe there's no real case to answer for um, from, in a sense, of charging someone. But now the NRL, from their governing body point of view, now decide whether they uh, they believe that he should be suspended, whatever it may be. And Rabideau's coach, Dimitrio, Jason Dimitrio, said the way the NRL has responded has been first class. So it's been, it's been a bit of a polarising subject. It's It should never happen, but if we sit back and think that that 100% of the uh, the world's population are, are not going to show some sort of bigotry. Well, you're going to be you're going to be deeply upset mm. if uh, when it does happen, and um, and unfortunately it, it does happen in our society. I, what I'd like to say is that I think this 14 year old boy, which is 
I think it's a learned behaviour that he's learnt from his, his surroundings, whether it's family, uh, friends, whatever it may be. Um, I think they're becoming part of the minority, which is really good. So, Do you think, like, maybe the parents like should be held accountable or the kid, you know, should be handed, like, a life ban or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, no, I know that there's been a few people, Co, that have said that they should be life bans or his parents. One, we don't know whether the 14-year-old's got parents, first mm. and foremost. He might have guardians. He might be raised by his grandparents. We don't know what situation his family situation is. So based on that, I say no. Uh, yeah, it is a learned behaviour, uh, but I think intervention at 14 is really important. You know, yeah. I'd hate to think that if I had something I did at 14, I'd still I'd still be judged by it today and, and held accountable in the sense that I wouldn't be allowed to attend something, whatever that may be. So I, I'd love to see the NRL. I'd love to see the NRL ban him for a short period of time, but during that period um, undertake some education. Yeah, I'd up. like him to sit down with some Indigenous elders some great Australian historians to to prove to him how important the Indigenous community is to this country and and um, what great roles they play in you know in, in different industries um, you know through education whatever it may be so I, I think the fourteen year old you can you can stop the rot pretty easily at fourteen years of age it's just a matter of whether he wants to accept it Co that's, that's it that's yeah. probably the, the biggest put his hand up biggest question yeah. Now, we try not to be so negative on, on off the bench, but the NRL player boycott, and this was disappointing, and this really flew under the radar. I'm surprised this didn't get more publicity. NRL players still not happy, of course, with the RLPA um, asking players to boycott what is multi, multicultural around this weekend in the NRL. Um, it's all about inclusiveness, and the game has so many cultures throughout now, um, and everyone I'd like to think is, is embraced. But um, this... It was a gala day that was held at Belmore Sports Ground. Mm. And before we get to it, this is what Andrew Abda had to say on NRL 360 on... It's disappointing that the Players Association asked the players not to attend. You know, uh, we, we haven't got a CBA done yet. And, you know, they, uh, they've been pretty consistent in wanting to freeze out NRL.com journalists and, yeah. and not uh, attend NRL events. That's their right to choose. I think that it's the fans who are suffering. Absolutely, the fans are suffering because... When you've got a when you've got a, a gala day for kids, a harmony and league gala day, which also double as the launch for the the NRL themed round, and um, you know when you got all these kids expecting NRL players to be there, um, and they don't turn up, when a, when a kid says to their parent or guardian, whoever or their coach says, "How come so and so didn't turn up?" and they say, "Oh, because the CBA hasn't been signed yet," does the kid give a stuff about a CBA? The kid wants to know that they can get up close and personal with one of their NRL heroes or one of the people they see on TV to see whether they're actually real. You know, it's uh, there were some former Bulldogs players that turned up, past players. Uh, the great Sonny Bill Williams, who's been welcomed back into the club. Andrew Ryan, premiership winning captain. Rod Silver, premiership player in 95. James Graham, who, who served them so well, played in the 2014 grand final and 2012 grand final with the Doggies. They attended, but the current Tigers and Bulldogs players, they refused to participate due to that un- ongoing uh, bargaining negotiations. It, it's it's poor form. I think the and, uh, the RLPA are giving really bad advice to their players um, because it's not in the best interest of the game. Uh, they are biting the hand that feeds them. If they are going up against the NRL, which is invariably funded by major media companies, who they are also trying to boycott against, some of the NRL journalists, etc. in the end... 
those broadcasters who pay billions of dollars to support the game, if they decide not to want to pay as much as possible, are those players who are now standing down and not attending certain functions or or gala days, whatever it may be, are they willing to take less in their contract when there's less money in the game? Mm. So be careful of the advice you're getting from the RLPA. Now, you know, the, the players have to have a voice. We know that. But, you know, I think a lot of players are intelligent enough. They've got enough intelligent leaders to, to make the right decisions for what is in the best interest of the game. That's the only question you've got to ask, isn't it, Co? Yeah. yeah. As a fan, are you just asking, is this in the best interest of the game or as a player? As you were kind of talking about the kids missing out there, I remember when I was a young fellow, Darren Lockie was having a signing day. He'd just bring out these figurines and they he was wearing an Origin jersey and at the, at the bottom of it there was a room for his signature. So he had a signing day and me and mum lined up for hours um, to get, you know, you get your moment with Lockie. Mm. And they cut the line off literally I was the next one up to go and they, oh, they said, sorry, mate. Ouch. They said, sorry, mate, you, you, you know, Lockie's got to go. That's it for today. And I was a young fella and I was absolutely distraught. And his wife actually seen my reaction. Lauren, his wife, she's lovely. Yeah, yeah. and she come over and, you know, had a kind word with security guard and said, you know, we'll let these other people go, but can you just tell that kid to wait over there? And then after the kind of all the people left, Lockie came over and said, what can I do for you, mate? How you going? Blah, blah, blah. And that just made my day. You know, that, that was that one little moment. You know, I think sometimes hopefully NRL players don't, don't lose that. Well, you can get in a bubble as an NRL player where you, you basically lose, lose connection with what the real world thinks about. Because mm. you've got all these people, in, and I'm saying this from experience because I've got no doubt I was like that at times as well, where you've got all these people at clubs that are doing everything for you. So when you've got to think outside the square and and think like the rest of humanity thinks like, mm. which is the right way to think most of the time, you lose that concept. And I see that story that you just told then, that's a really good story. That's a story that should be told to to a lot of the current players who are thinking about boycotting any anything's involved with the supporters and kids at a game. Just makes your day. It just puts a smile on your face and like I could have walked away from that moment going, oh, I've just lined up for two hours. This player doesn't care about me. Well, blah, you might have been blah. lost to the game yeah. as a fan. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You might have gone along to an Oz kick program, which the AFL do really well, mm. and all of a sudden transferred games at a young kid because you're so impressionable. That's it. I think it's kids are, kids are so crucial with that kind of time when they're, they're making those decisions about who they want to follow and they see a player in the game, they like them, they jump on board. So hopefully you're right, Sats. Mm. Players can realise, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah. So. Now the ARLC concussion, um, they've been busy this week, the NRL and the ARLC. They've approved cha- approved changes and it went into um, – it came into fruition on Thursday night for yep. the first time. This is the new – uh, mandatory 11-day stand-down following diagnosed concussion. So now this is, a, this is what they call a Category 1 um, concussion, which is the worst of the concussions. Category 3, you'll, you'll show signs of concussions, but you get back up, you get back into the line, but you may have staggered a little bit, or there might have been direct head trauma. They'll bring you from the field and usually get back on by that 15-minute mark after you're tested. Uh, the Category 1 is basically when you are knocked out and you don't have any defensive mechanism to stop the fall, and when you hit the ground, you're laying prone. So 11-day um, stand-down, and 
clubs can apply for an exemption through a review from an independent neurologist where the criteria is met. Now, some of the criteria is not going to go into too much detail, but you know, your cognitive testing has returned to normal. Um, the player has suffered fewer than five previous career concussions. Five career concussions. That's a, that's a lot. It's a lot of head trauma. Well, you look at Callum Pong. He's had four in ten months. Mm. But one of those was against the Warriors. And although he looked like he clicked some innocuous knees of the Warriors player, and he wears headgear, which doesn't save you from all contact, but at least it minimises a little bit. He laid on the ground. Many thought he tried to lay on the ground to get a penalty. He came from the field. He didn't show any signs of concussion. Um, so when he says he's had four in ten months, you probably say he's had three because the one against the Warriors, you know, might have been a. I watched that. I, I didn't think, he, like, I'm not a doctor or you know anything like that. But as a fan, I just I did see him lay down and I thought it was he was just trying to get get a penalty and I, that was it. Well, see, I th- I saw that he he collected the knees of the Warriors player, and mm. I don't th- I think sometimes it's not about concussion. It's about it's about direct head trauma. Whether you show a sign or not, if you had direct head trauma uh, and you're going to get it in the game, whiplash effect, even if you're hitting a really good tackle around the around the waist of the chest, if you're hitting a really good front on tackle around the sort of rib cage, the whiplash effect on your head can cause mm. as much damage. So we're going to get it because it's a brutal game. It's always going to happen, but the, the ones we want to try and minimise is, is direct contact with the head. And he, he did get direct contact. He didn't show any signs of concussion. So bringing him off is probably the right thing because he mm. did get direct contact. Would you call it a concussion? Probably not. Yeah, so there is a chance to apply for an exemption if you're one of your players. Now, there's a chance a player could miss two weeks. So what happens if in the grand final qualifier, the prelim, the week before the grand final, let's say you are, you know, my team's Penrith and South. So let's use Penrith as an example. Nathan Cleary gets what they class as a concussion. He's got to sit out for 11 days. He's going to miss the grand final the following week. Do we do what the AFL do? Grand final qualifies. You get your two teams that are going to be in the grand final. Week off the following week. Leave it up to the NRL to market and promote the grand final. Make it like a two-week celebration. Two-week like festival. And then that allows whoever's got an 11-day stand down the ability to play in the grand final. I like that. I, I think the NRL have got to embrace it. Mm, if just it's about in case. Keep, if, it's, well, if they're trying to find ways to keep the quality players on the field, yeah, they've got to probably embrace it. Well, let's say something similar like what happened to Caelan Ponga happens to Latrell Mitchell, right? But he does get direct contact with the head and he comes under that. That category, day. yeah, category yeah. one. If you're a Bunnies fan and he's fully fit despite what had happened to his head knock, you want him playing in the grand final. Mm. You know, so I think that's I think that's a very good point. Because if they're going to give exemptions, and we'll use that example of a grand final, and a player has got a category one in a grand final qualifier, and they all of a sudden can't play in the grand final the following week, and they get an exemption somehow for the grand final, you're opening yourself up to further investigation. It's that time for an off the bench Friday night preview. Yeah, massive clash. The Bunnies take on the Chooks at Allianz Stadium, the new Allianz Stadium, which is the home of the Roosters. And this is a genuine hate in in rugby league. And I've said this over the last couple of weeks, Co. I, we have these, um, I think, these manufactured rivalries in rugby league. I think AFL have got legitimate rivalries that have lasted many, many decades. But this one is a legitimate hate 
longest rivalry in rugby league. Uh, split by only one digit in the postcode. They are that close to each other. They're borders. And once upon a time, the Roosters welcomed, sorry, the Rabbits welcomed the Roosters juniors into their competition. Then they stole the Butcher Brothers. And the Rabbitohs said, you know what, get stuffed over to your eastern suburbs. So there is genuine hate. And there's some um, big guns returning as, all, as well for the Roosters. Uh, Jared Riahago's returned from a hamstring injury. Uh, Victor Radley's been cleared despite suffering a head knock. I'd be surprised if he plays because he's, he's had a couple of head knocks now in two weeks. And albeit they're not serious ones, they're still... He's had a few in his career as well. He's had a lot. Mm. It's just the way that he plays. you know. And Brandon Smith, he'll play despite having a rib cage injury. He had some scans, which has been cleared. Uh, Tatola is back for the Bunnies, which they really need. I think, there's a, I think they've got a real lack of depth in the front row. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, if they want to go and try and win this comp, you could see that last week. Yeah, just that lack of punch through the you know, middle. Young yeah. Davy Mawali is a good young player. Shaq Mitchell's in his first year of NRL. I think he's actually going to be a really good player. Um, so yeah, they're they're really lacking that punch. And what I always look at at these rivalries, and what I love about these games is that um, not only statistics don't really mean much. But if you do want to look into statistics, the Roosters have only won one of their past six games against the Rabbits. Um, and Alex Johnston, 11 tries in his past six games against the Roosters. So it all fall, falls in favour of, of the Bunnies. But I'll look at the matchups. Great matchups across the field. You've got Radley versus Murray. Cam Murray, one of the most handsome men in the competition. Radley just wants to destroy any good looks that anyone's ever got. Um, you got Damien Cook up against Brandon Smith, completely different hookers. Brandon Smith doesn't need his team to be going forward to have an influence on the game. He just changes the momentum of the game just through his, his involvement. Damien Cook needs a forward pack to be dominating. And, and we haven't, even though he's been playing well these first two weeks, he, he hasn't been in his running best. He, I still, even at like nearly 30 years of age, is. And I still think there's a part of his game that he can change the momentum in the favour of his team if they're not winning them forward battle. Um, Campbell Graham, who big rap on up against the young Joseph Suwali'i. That'll be a really good battle uh-huh. as well. You've got uh, the halves pairing of Luke Keary and Sam Walker, two diminutive, tiny halves. Great skill. I love the way Sam Walker plays. He plays – he doesn't really play with tradition like what is tradition now, which is like a, a strategy or a game plan. He's got a game plan, but he's also got a game. He's got plan B, plan C, which has been coached to him by his dad, Ben. Um, and then you got, they're up against Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias. So Ilias is the up-and-coming half. He's going to be a really good player. He's already a good player, but he's going to be a really good player for uh, for South Sydney in years to come. He's a big half. He's like a Daly Cherry Evans-sized half. Daly's – when you stand up alongside Daly, he's actually a, a big guy for a halfback. And Cody Walker, one of the angriest men in the comp. So Cody takes – Cody and Latrell, because Latrell's got history there as well, won a couple of comps with the Roosters. They take these games personally. Cam Murray takes this game personally. Keon Kulamatangi, because they're, they're South Sydney boys. They've grown up playing with each other since they were under eights, under nines, Keon and, and also Cam Murray. So they take this game personally. Um, and then when you think about all those matchups, you haven't even mentioned Latrell up against Tedesco. Two completely different players as well. One's as big as a, f- a front rower and runs like a winger. One's as powerful as any back rower in the competition in Tedesco and he's half their size. So 
So much to love about this game at Allianz Stadium. Uh, do I go with what the stats tell me and, and the bunnies have um, have the wood on them in some of these games? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to. The Roosters aren't showing me much at the moment. They'll get going. They'll be fine, the Roosters. But it's just taking them a while to get going. I think the Rabbits, even though beaten last week, I just feel as though that all their key positions, they've got everyone in place a little bit sooner than what the Roosters have. So, going with the Bunnies. I expect the Bunnies to win, but if they do, it's it's golden point or two points. I don't think there's going to be a a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Will we see anything like the uh, final last year? Or was it the, the the last round of the year where it was seven send-offs in a match? It was too. That, that was out at... Um, the new stadium. That was at Allianz, wasn't yeah, it? It was the, the opening yeah, yeah. of Allianz. Yeah, it was. It was that was absolutely brutal. crazy. It was, that was, it was brutal. One of the most brutal matches. That was I, gladiatorial, wasn't I it? I compared that to origin, that origin yeah, game. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, my. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you don't want to see anyone get injured, but it was... It got out of hand at times. Yeah. The referees need to draw a line in the sand. But, yeah, you know what? These, that's what these games do. It brings out a completely different emotion, not only on the field, but in the streets and in the stands as well. The fans can get feral. Let's get to a break on Off the Bench. We'll be back after the break. More Off the Bench NRL soon. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment. Search Off the Bench NRL on iTunes or Spotify. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews. Offload on the Kawadu. He's off to the races and intercept. And Manly get the ball back and that'll be it. It goes away to Moses. Cut out ball. Sivo. Sivo scores the try. There's another try here at four points Park. Parramatta score, two minutes, 15 remaining, 34-30 with a kick to come. Yeah, welcome back to Off the Bench. This is Scotty Sattler, Jason Matthews. Jace away at the moment, so you've just got myself and also Cohen here. And it was a strange game. That's the way it finished, 34 points to 30. And at the start of that game, Thursday night at, at Brookie Oval, full crowd, Manly winning round one against the Dogs. Round two had the bye. And coming to round three, they went in as the overwhelming favourites. And uh, we'll talk about the power draw really really soon, but uh, in saying that, it was a strange game because they dominated really early, didn't they, Cove, Manly? Oh, mate, they come out of the blocks really quickly. I thought there was going to be 30-40 in it. Looked like it. Yeah, Paris, poor completion rate. Then all of a sudden, they got themselves back into the game, nearly stole it in the end. I don't know how. They just kept creeping up on on Manly. Um, The first first game from Josh Schuster at 5-8. How did you think he went? Impressive. I just think defensively, he got himself in a couple of areas where he didn't want to put his body on the line, and uh, especially on the Matt Dory try. Um, and that I don't know whether that's with fitness, lack of it, or whether it's attitude, but Matt Dory went in between both he and Kilmer Tuolungi, and he, he could have shut it down, but he didn't put his body where he needed to, and he sort of he backed out of the tackle. So that's something I think Anthony Seabold's got to work on. I've got to say, hats off to Anthony Seabold. He's much maligned. And he's learned a lot from the Broncos days. And he admitted on our show that we've interviewed him. He has learned a lot mm-hmm. on how he deals with players and not to be so highly strung. So, you know, they're, they're undefeated at the moment. They won the preseason challenge and they won two games in the first three rounds. So yeah, they're tiptoeing along pretty well. Yeah, they're going well. And they're, they're scoring a lot of points. But Ola Kawatu, unbelievable. Powerful, skillful. Daly Cherry Evans getting better with age. Outstanding. What about the man at the back? Tommy Trevojevic, outstanding, showing no fear at all about re-tearing his hamstring. Two tries, should have been a third as well. But 
He just looks like he is just a fine-tuned machine. When he, like, wraps up his career, mm. where do you think he'll sit as one of the all-time manly greats? It's a good question. I heard Joey ask Gus this last night, and he didn't get around to answering it, Gus, but you look at some of the manly greats. Bob Fulton is probably their greatest player ever. Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, Mal Reilly. Menzies. Menzies. Yeah, good choice. Uh, Brett Stewart. Wombat Edie. You know, he, he two Clive Churchill medals when they've gone back retrospectively and given Clive Churchill medals. Uh, where does Tommy Turbo come into the equation if he stays doesn't stay if he stays uninjured? Um, I think, yeah, I'd, he'd be at the table. He'd definitely be sitting at the same table as those guys. The question is, does he have to win a comp? Because all those other players we mentioned, they have won comps with Manly. Does he have to steer his team to a comp, a premiership comp, a premiership win, to regard be regarded as one of the the great manly players? Well, I can't imagine Manly with life after Daly. Yeah, and he's been he's you know he's outstanding, isn't he? Mm. He's been so good. He's good again. He's good again Thursday night. Just and they're looking really good. Well done, Anthony Seabold. Well done, Manly. Now Parramatta. I'm not I'm not quite sure what to make to Parramatta at the moment. They're yeah, Matty Johns was quite strong on his show Thursday night about how this draw has come to fruition. How the NRL, when what they do is they, you know, they, how they've allowed it to happen is beyond me because they play, the Parramatta Eels play Manly off a draw, mm-hmm. off a bye, I should say. They play Penrith off a bye and then they play the Roosters off a bye. And... When the NRL got the draw back from the system that they put it into and it spits out all these you know, strategies and methodologies and what the draw should look like, they either saw it and thought, no, Parramatta will be okay, or they didn't see it at all. Either way, it's quite amateurish the way this has turned out because this could destabilise Parra's complete season. Well, yeah, if you're a Parramatta fan, you're not happy with that. Well, you can't be happy. I mean... Externally, they'd be saying, yeah, well, it's, we've just got to fight the elements. We've just got to do what we can do. But realistically, you, you're, you're playing three teams coming off a bye who are fresh. Now, they get Josh Schuster, who hasn't played a game yet. He comes in fresh. Didn't have to play last week because you know, he had another week to recover from his injury. They get Penrith, who are just primed after a bye. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews. Again. Superstar AJ Brimson joining us. Matty Rogers here, mate. Hope you're well. Hey, I wanted to, wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the weekend's game. You're the, um, you know, you've got the best view there at the back. You know, things seem to be going really well for those first 20 minutes, and then the wheels fell up. Can you, could you just, could you put your finger on something there? Uh, no, I actually had media throughout the week, and they asked a similar question, and it's, it's quite hard to actually put the finger on exactly what happened, but. Um, the best I can describe it is probably just that, literally, I think it's pretty obvious, that 10-minute period before halftime. Um, and you know what it's like when a team gets momentum. It's It sounds silly, but it's actually so hard to turn. And um, they start running harder. They start The crowd starts cheering louder. And the 50-50 calls start going their way when, when, you kinda, when you've got that momentum because you're kind of earning it. And yep. I, think, um, you know, I think if we go in 12-2, we can hold off those three tries in, I think, eight minutes it was. I think we run away with it in the second half, but um, I think it's just a learning curve for a team that you know we're 
we're still building and we're still a little bit um, um, not as um, inexperienced, a little bit inexperienced. And I think we've just got to be tougher in those times when uh, momentum's against us. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the case. Momentum does play a huge factor. Uh, it's, I used to call it the big mo. When you've got it, it's like you, you can do no wrong and it's just so elusive, though, to, mm. to get it. Um, but what, how has the coach addressed it, uh, AJ, and, and what has he said about you know this week in terms of getting it right? Because you're, you're coming up against a side that doesn't often lose back-to-back games and they were embarrassed last week. Uh, I guess um, you know the Titans themselves will be pretty embarrassed by their second-half performance or that, that period in the game of that performance. Uh, how do you turn that around? What have you, what have you worked on this week? Uh, yeah, it's actually quite a similar story. I watched the Bulldogs in um, Melbourne game, and similar to what Bellamy said about you know effort areas, we spoke about uh, the main problem was probably um, just those little things. As you know, as a footy player, um, you know your line speed, um, kick chase, effort from marker, things that you know requires no skill. So, and obviously just um, a lot of first up contact. That's probably why we were losing those playables and what's what's gave them uh, momentum. So. Mm. Uh, our you know, defence coach was pretty disappointed in us and, and let us know about it and um, I think it's just a um, big focus on going back to simple and, and working really hard and um, and winning our first up contact and really you know, not just catching and waiting for them but going at them with our line speed and, and winning that defence because uh, yeah, we were just on the back foot for about 60 minutes AJ, I'm interested you just said you watched the Bulldogs in Melbourne game and it's funny when I hear interviews with NRL players where they say they don't watch a lot of rugby league. Now I, you know, know that you love your rugby league. You're a sport rugby league tragic. Now, do you watch a lot of rugby league? And when you watch it, do you watch it from a an ob- objective view where you, you're trying to look at the opposition, or are you just you able just to sit back, relax, and watch it as a fan? Yeah, no, I watch it as a pure fan. Uh, sometimes I'll, you know, because I watch it, you know, with um, my brothers or my mates and that sort of stuff. So. You know, I'm kind of watching it and we're all kind of, you know, saying, you know, whatever we think you're going to play or whoever did something well or wrong. And we're all kind of putting our input just like, you know, like we all just um, don't even play footy. So I kind of watch it as a fan. And then sometimes I'll be like, you know, I mean, in that game, obviously, because I know we're versus Melbourne the next week, I was kind of hoping they were going to start coming back in the second half there because, you know, any team after a loss is, isn't as easy. So, uh, but no, I can watch it as a pure fan, which is good. Yeah, nice one, mate. Hey, there's been a couple of big changes for your side this year. Obviously, Semi Verrills and and Foz coming in. Mate, how's the um, how have they fitted in? Obviously, week one we all thought, wow, this is you know, you know, fantastic. Week two, things don't go quite to plan. Obviously, Verrills is out this week. But how's the how's the overall sort of um, I guess uh, morale in the squad about having you know a couple of real quality players come in? Yeah, it, it kind of boosted. Uh, through the roof, as you'd expect with quality players like that and also uh, in quality positions. You know, two new additions to our spine, I think, both coming from clubs that have had had a fair bit of uh, success. Uh, both players have won a comp before and, and play finals footy on the regular. So I think when you get winners at your club, you start expecting to win. And I think the more you can get, um, yeah, the more winning becomes a habit. But obviously, massive loss with Daryl's. Yeah. Um, uh, not playing this week, but um, Chris Randall, I think we're lucky to have as well. He's, he's a quality nine, and um, we kind of need that depth because you know we're already two games in and we've lost a, a fair chunk of, of players, which is unfortunate. But um, I think a lot of teams go through it, especially in the Storm. Now, AJ, we've um, we've asked some of the the listeners to text in, and we've got Brisbane Eel here. Um, can you ask AJ? Is there a separate Dally M section for most rank haircut we've been made aware about? She wants to know what to do. The players, wives, partners. What do they say about these rank haircuts? 
So what's the story behind your shade well, he, of the mate, sides? This uh, is unfair. He, he mightn't think this is a rank haircut. He might think it's like, you know, it might be trendy sets. You're just old. Yeah, true. Now, yeah. are you following a trend, AJ, or you're you're just putting yourself out there? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's rank at all. I think uh, <laughs> I had a haircut before round one, which made it less rank. I mean, it was my mullet was getting quite long, heading toward um, Tino's length, so I thought that got a bit rank. And I'm happy to say play on that Tino's hair's rank, but me personally, I think I've just got a little mullet, a little bit of fun at the back. Um, yeah, but uh, but I can understand what, how some. Older generations think it's a bit rank. Oh, yeah. well, you've had to go with the older they're generation boring. They're well. boring, AJ. They're God, boring, mate. I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, uh, AJ, <laughs> uh, day for feeder. He looks lean. Now, I heard that when he came back from the World Cup, he was carrying a, some extra baggage. But um, he looks to have worked really hard since coming back from the World Cup. Yeah, he has. Um, and that's a, a massive credit to him. He came back, uh, you know, quite a bit overweight. I think that um, that buffet in, in Tongan camp got him 1-0. But he's... Um, <laughs> He's uh, he's honestly, um, I think he's, I mean, definitely so far, but throughout the year, he, he's made a goal to, you know, be sober. Uh, he's on a massive diet where he's taking photos of every meal he has to our um, dietitian. Uh, and, he, and he's, credit to him, he's, he's really stuck to that. And, he, and he's lost, yeah, I think it's roughly 13 kilos or something like that. Um, so I think, you know, when a player has that sort of dedication, they're, they're in for a good year. So um, I'm happy for him and I'm happy, you know, that he's a big player of our team and he's putting in that commitment. So, uh, yeah, credit to him. Yeah, good on him. Now, on the other side of the field, the loss of Bo for Moore, who's a popular teammate. Um, boy big from loss. Dolby, probably would have looked at playing Origin at some mm. stage this year, you would, would have thought. Um, how much did that hurt the squad just emotionally when you first heard that news? Yeah, it, to be honest, it, we found out on the Wednesday of the, the week of round one at training. And um, yeah, without, um, you know, going into it, I reckon he was probably our best travel preseason yep. and one of our best players last year. And he was, I think he was set for an origin debut. He was scoring hat trick. I know it's a training, but he, he was just killing it. He was good in the trial against Redcliffe. Uh, and he's, he's obviously a skillful try scorer, but he's a big part of our defensive line and our inside pressure. And, and that sort of stuff. So he was massive, you know, on the eve of round one, they kind of threw a massive spanner in the works. We're then flipping David to the left, bringing in Stimson into the starting lineup, but, you know, hadn't done too much time at back row. Um, but I guess, unfortunately, that's, that's the game we play. But, um, yeah, it did put a bit of a damper in the works, to be honest. Mate, obviously, um, there's, you know, seeing Kalen go down last week is not good for him and all the game. And it's, um, you know, it's really sad to see him struggling with some head knocks at the moment. But um, there might be an opening at the back uh, come State of Origin time at fullback, mate. Are you, uh, are you prepared to get out there and take um, the New South Wales Blues down again, mate? Oh, yeah, obviously. Um... Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Time for a racing update for Racing Queensland. Queensland is your place to race this year. It is definitely your place to race, especially this weekend. And we've got Chris Nelson from Racing Queensland on the phone. Uh, how are you, Chris? Going well, guys. Great to chat. Really looking forward to uh, the weekend of racing. Uh, now, I saw your Instagram post on Doombin yesterday, taking some photos. It looks a treat for one yeah. of the big races this week. It did, yeah. It looked really nice, didn't it? Nice and green. Now, that rain we had on the weekend or Sunday certainly helped. No, it looked a picture, didn't it? Was, it did. Was it, it did. a clear photo, Nelson? Oh, he's, yeah, he's famous for a blurry photo. He's famous for a pixelated photo. Pixelated photo. He loves yeah. it. That's what the kids say this day, Chris. Oh, pixelated photo. 
We had a photo finish in Sydney the other day, and the uh, the race caller said the horse was beaten by a pixel. <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> nice. That's smaller than a nose. Uh, before yes. we get into that big race at Doombin this weekend, uh, what's well, worth around yes. half a million dollars. Let's talk about uh, any horses racing interstate Queensland horses. Well, I think the one we need to keep our eye on, the most important, is Uncommon James, who goes around at Ram- uh, sorry Rose Hill on Saturday. Of course, it's Golden Slipper Day uh, on Saturday at Rose Hill, so a massive day with five Group 1s. Race 9 is the Galaxy. It's one of the Group 1s. And Uncommon James, I think he's got a good chance. He won a Group 1, the Oakley Plate, at Sandown, his last start. Uh, he'll get the good track to suit. Uh, he'll sit up on the speed. He got a lovely gait. I think he'll be hard to beat. I think he can do it, guys. Oh, oh, I'm wow. certainly tipping him. Uncommon James. Will yeah, he go in win. short or not? I'm just looking. Uh, he'll be now. around probably four dollars. Probably about four dollars. Sats, which okay. isn't a bad price at all. Mm. Carrying fifty-three and a half it's... kilos, coming out of is it gate thirteen? That'd be about right. Uh, no, we had a better gate than that. I thought. Okay. I'll just check my uh, records here as we uh, as we. Uh, talk amongst ourselves he's drawn gate number four before okay, any scratching so form here yeah yeah he's okay. got a, a beautiful gate there's some speed there through eduardo and zoo style and he should be just parked behind them and very very hard to hold out yeah nice now let's talk about the big one i know you're excited about this the jewel two jewel races at doombin worth over half a million yep. dollars this weekend two-year-olds and three-year-olds yeah. yeah one for the two-year-olds is race number seven and one for the three-year-olds is race number eight the two-year-old race I'm pretty keen, uh, Rupert's House. I think he can run really well, number four. That's race seven. The other one, well, I'll tell you what, Sats, uh, you might as well just get a dart out and throw it at a board <laughs> because it is the most difficult race I've ever seen. And there's horses that have drawn bad gates that go forward, uh, such as Steady Ready, who's super quick, and he's drawn 17 before scratching. So he's going to have to go like the clappers to get across, and there'll be others going with him. So they might go so fast that something runs over the top of them late, but... It's going to be a great spectacle, but as for finding the winner, if you can, I think you'll do quite well out of it. So we'll stick with Rupert's House, race seven, number four. And I've got one other bet for you. Race one, number six, hold on, honey, I think will win also. Yeah, nice. Now, to the layman, when you talk about the three-year-olds, throw a dart at the board. Is it just best mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not a big punter, gamble responsibly, is it sort of a race you maybe stay clear of if you're not sure of the form? Well, yes, you could do that. The only other thing, if you wanted to get involved, the other thing you could do is have uh, an exotic bet, like a first four or a trifecta or something like that, yeah, nice. and put you know five or six horses in there, box them up uh, for a small amount. You can play the percentages if you don't want to take the full amount of the bet. You have 25%, 50%, whatever. Uh, and if you get a result, which quite, quite possibly could happen in that race, you'll do very well. So you're not outlaying a lot of money. Uh, but you could get a big result if you happen to get up. That's probably the best way to play a race like that. Now, for anyone looking to have a better doom, and just go over those again. You had race six, number six. Ra- no, no. Race one, number six. Hold on, honey. Yep. I'm close. Race-